Uh, my parents got eight inches. My brother got almost a foot. What did Angie get? Like f- four or five inches? <laughs> this is a test of the emergency broadcast system. If it's too yes. cold for the kids to stand at the bus stop, they you know they have a two hour delay opening. Like to me, yeah, that's soft, but it. There's got to be something more to it. I just don't know what it is. Like, well, yeah, we live in a country of pussies. I'm like, holy fuck, that's Lee Zurich. <laughs> I'm Sanders, and he's Liv, and we are two sorry excuses. Liveroo! What's up, Sandman? Yeah, you sound like you're a bit distant. I'm uh, distant and discombobulated. Yeah, how you feeling? I'm feeling much better, man. Back in the saddle for Two Sorry Excuses, episode 13. Yep. Looking I uh, for 13. <laughs> took me a little longer to to recover than I thought it would, but um yeah, I'm back. I got um regular food and um you know, kind of back on my feet doing normal stuff. So, so. Was, uh well, I guess the the key question is how does Ange say you're doing? Are you snoring? <laughs> well, so far not much of anything because um when I take uh pain medicines, I'm I'm out cold. So it's still a little sore and it's still a little swollen. So it'll probably yeah. be another week or so before we figure out if it's uh, if it's the real deal. Okay, so, fingers. So, no, so she uh, there's so you're not sure whether you're not uh, breathing or whatever. Yeah, our apnea, like where you stop breathing for a while. Yeah, because right now everything's still you know kind of a little swollen and, and sore. Yeah. So I'm still kind of making some noises. I'm still snoring um, a little bit, but that's just because I'm not, you know, fully healed yet. But two weeks um, today, yeah, yeah. Two, two weeks today. So that's about the normal recovery time. So a couple more days, and and it should be back, um, and and hopefully fix the majority of the problem. And um, now two people can can sleep in peace instead of just one. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> That's why I always say people would tell me, uh, you know, you got a serious sleeping problem. You snore. I'm like, well, from where I'm sitting, it's not my problem. <laughs> <laughs> when I, excuse me, when I went to, um, when I went to Europe with Mike Reardon after I was done in Curacao, he and I traveled for three weeks, maybe a month or so, yeah. and uh, we stayed in like. You know, low-level hotels, hostels, nothing too fancy. We shared rooms every time. And I've always been a snorer. But yeah. um, 
he also is a snore. He's got like deviated septum. He's broke his nose a really? ton of times. Yeah, he's really bad as well. That's so kill him that he's a snorer because he seems like the type of guy that would take great joy in complaining about someone else's snoring. Well, don't don't be fooled. He certainly does. <laughs> but we would take turns, and and essentially you'd want to be the first one to sleep because yeah. if you weren't, the other guy'd keep you up. Um, except the times when we would travel and and. Um, I had a friend from, from Sweden who I'd met while she was a nanny over here. And um, she kind of took us around and we stayed with friends of hers in different cities in, in Sweden and whatnot. Yeah. And it's very European living, you know. You, you've been over there. The apartments are small. There's not a lot of accommodations. And for like college students or like, you know, 20-something, you know, young professional girls, um, there's... You know, they're like one-bedroom apartments, studios, but they would open up their places to us. You know, they'd say, hey, you sleep in the bed, I'm going to sleep on the couch, or, you know, I got to pull out mattress, you're our guests, whatever. They were so accommodating, and Reardon and I felt so bad, because without fail, we would snore, the two of us, and just keep these people up. And they're like, yeah. oh my God, fucking Americans, you're yeah. unbelievable. But there was nothing we could do about it, you know? Yeah. So I, um, my dad was a real bad snorer. I mean, he still is. Uh, I mean, he's always been a real bad snorer, as far as I'm concerned. I know he um, he's got a big old dago nose, you know. And he <laughs> did break it lifting weights back in the early '80s, but I sense he was probably a big snorer before that even. But the funny thing is, you know, you go in there, like you'd be sleeping, you'd be like. <laughs> Like, it was really loud. You could wake him up. Like, if he was snoring, sleeping, you wanted to ask him something, you wake him up and be like... (laughs) 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 What, what, baby? (laughs) 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 Oh, it's ridiculous. Good stuff. But um, medical maladies don't end, man. I literally just got a call from the... um, uh, I guess I guess it's the gastroenterologist. Um, I'm up for my colonoscopy again. <laughs> oh, so I'm like, man, I can't catch a break. Yeah, miserable and middle aged, huh? I'm breaking down, man. It's ugly. Yeah, it's ugly. That's why I just don't go to the doctor. <laughs> it's only gonna be bad stuff. They're gonna want to operate on me. They're gonna want to shove a finger up my butt. You know. <laughs> Right, because that's the first thing they do when you go into the doctor. They set you down, they give you a little anesthesia, and they start cutting you open just to operate on something. Well, I mean, I I told you they wanted to do that surgery to me to fix my deviate septum friggin' 15 years ago. I didn't want to do it because I thought it would cramp my style beginning my last year of school or something. Yeah, you know what? I, I don't I don't blame you on on that front. One... You know, when you're in your 20s, especially your early 20s, you're not thinking about anything like that, you yeah. know? You weather, like, you know, all-nighters and benders and, you know, yeah. beer for 1,106 days in a row. And you yeah, think you're, yeah. you're kind of impervious. But, um, you know, I, w- I probably wouldn't have thought twice about, you know, kind of rejecting that surgery at that time. Yeah, you're like, oh, you, you, my mom's like, they can do it right before you go back to school. And I was like... And then I got to be walking around with my face bandaged up for a month, you know? It's like, I don't know. It just didn't seem like a good idea. 
Although they should really have a like a course or or some type of uh, at least tutorial on the economics of adulthood when you're when you're a senior in high school or, or a freshman in college in terms of what's the real impact of school loans what's the real impact of health Please insurance don't have this conversation with me right now well, I could I could be living in a nice house for the amount of money I own student loans between the money that the the compounding interest from the ones that never got paid off from Syracuse plus the law school loans. Oh, you don't have to talk to me about it, man. I've resigned myself to the fact that I'm going to die with them. Yeah, me too. So I'm just going to try to push them off and drag them out as long as possible. So yeah. I'm on the hook for as little as, as I can be while I'm alive. Yeah, I mean, I guess you got the right idea by not wanting to have kids. Yeah. Because there ain't nobody you can go after. I've I've fully invested in myself. I can't afford to fully invest in a progeny. Yeah, they had um, they had an onion article just yesterday. I saw it was. I gotta look it up right now. It was about the uh, the young man who became the first in his family to waste one hundred sixty thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! In some instances, it's so yeah. true. You know, you kind of look back on it and you're like, yes. "Listen, the college experience was one hundred percent." worth it in terms of experience in terms of uh, of practical knowledge very little i was a psychology major i didn't get yeah. much out of it but political i did science here. Uh, what's that political science here so yeah. i hear you there you go but you know i did i learned i made friends from different you know different um backgrounds different communities i learned a different way of life the the whole deal it, forget about independence and being on your own just the you know the, the friendships and relationships that expose you to different things it is yeah. is a huge part of that experience, which is great. Oh, for, trust me, I rationalize that all the time. For years, though, I've been championing the 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 law school education. One as a non practicing attorney, <laughs> and two as a uh, I don't want to say failed, but a misdirected sports business professional slash athlete management um yeah it just i've i've kind of said well listen it gave me a skill set that has really helped me and it's it's you know you know given me the ability to make analytical decisions and and a certain framework and given the chance between an mba or a jd i still think a jd is a more valuable um is a more valuable um degree because of the materials that you study but really in retrospect man i'm watching kids in college coming out of college you know leaving college just starting their own businesses launching ideas creating technologies i mean i realize it's 20 years since i've you know since i set off on that path but you know for the most part in in retrospect that argument that i've been that i've been you know, kind of passing off doesn't hold muster anymore. It's not. It's not a valuable degree to me. You know, it's um, I'm saddled with this. You know, with this school loan, and yep. um, you know, it, it is what it is. But at the same token, I'm, I'm I'm at that phase where you know, ten or fifteen years ago, uh, man, I got no regrets. Man, I, I do it all the same. Everything's working out. Everything, you know, whatever. I'll deal with what I got to deal with. But now, 
you know, kind of looking back on it, hitting the the middle stride. Um, you know, I'm like, ah, fuck it, man. <laughs> that law school, I regret that shit. <laughs> yeah. No, I feel the same way. Like I sit there, I'm like, man, I got to do another job. People are like, oh, you wouldn't be a lawyer? Why'd you go? I'm like, it's not like being a lawyer is paying these bills off anyway right now. So what does it matter what the fuck I do? Yeah, everything's backwards. The economy's backwards. The professional landscape is backwards. It's just a weird time to be. Yeah. You know, to, to kind of... I see of, these guys, these college dropouts, and these guys with nothing more than high school diplomas making millions of dollars, and then I realize I'm watching the NBA. Yeah, and that, <laughs> that's the thing, man. We're in that in-between, and I always yeah. forget I always forget that you're, that you're in your late 30s. I, to me, there's a, there's a bigger divide, um, you know, between us, but... There, there isn't. We're, we're that. We're the same class. We're the same yes. generation. Yes. And um, folks like my dad, who is, you know, uh, you know, he <clears throat> went to school, went to, for a specific discipline. He was an engineering professional. You know, did very well in his field. Now he's kind of in his sunset professional um, career, and he does consulting. He does very well, and he's you know the top of what he does. The yeah. kids just coming up. You know, who are graduating high school have some aptitude, especially when it comes to, you know, sciences or computer programming or development or something like that. They're either skipping college altogether or they're, you know, using college to supplement some type of project they're having. They've they've got the new system under control. Yeah. We're like that middle class. You know, we're kind of lost in, in no man's land and, you know, kind of yep. just hoping for free health care at some point. Yeah, I'm paying for my health care just because I was like, I better get on before I actually need it. Yeah, that's you true. Know, the last year, I, last March, I finally decided to grow up and stop buying health care because I was like, watch, one day something will be like, oh, you're really sick, but you don't have insurance. You totally, know? man. Totally. So I had to start taking care of that, you know, get locked in before then. <laughs> you know, you got to secure your balls while your balls are securable. Yeah, exactly, man. Exactly. What um? What else have you been up to? It's been a while since we talked. It's been a busy week, uh, or it's been a busy couple weeks on uh, on the sports front. It's been a yeah. couple a busy couple weeks on the social front. What do you got good for me? Uh jeez. Well, last night we had the first the the inaugural. Uh, two side excuses, Syracuse viewing party. I saw that. Is Fat Pat is Fat Pat down in New Orleans? Yeah, because the All Star Games this weekend. Uh. Fat Pat is a employee of the of the league, the association, and he. So I went and met him, and I picked him up and brought him to him and uh, this girl Amy McCarthy, the uh, the exquisite Amy McCarthy, who is also a Syracuse class of 99 grad who works for the NBA as well. And we went out to a bar to watch the um, to watch the Syracuse pit game. So that was fun. But um, probably don't want to get too much into that right now. Yeah, what bar did you guys go to? We went to this place called Bayou Beer Garden. It's in um, the mid-city part of town. It, it's only been open for probably like four years now at this point. Like, okay. Probably not as long since the last time you've been here. Okay, that's what I was wondering. Did yeah. I did I throw up outside of it? No, no. But it's a real cool place. It's a, it's um, it was an old house that was been converted into like 
old bar. It's got a cool back deck and stuff, and you have several different beers, and you can get you know bar food and all that. It's a really it's a cool place. It's a cool laid back joint. You know, is it um is it kind of per se a, a sports bar, or you just walked in and asked them to turn the TV on? They have. T- it's not really a sports bar, but they do have several TVs. You know, it's. You know, they got them on sports, you know, but it's not like uh, you don't walk in there and you'll see like your obligatory uh, Saints pennant and stuff like that, you know, but it's it's not. uh, And and I've gone there to watch other games when people go there to watch games, but it's not like, uh, you know, it's not like like that place we went to in um, Asbury Park. Like it's not explicitly a sports bar. Right. Right or uh, bleachers on Erie Boulevard? You ever been there? Ah, uh, yeah, 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 bleachers. Yeah, it's not like one of those places. You know, you don't walk in there. I mean, maybe during the Saints season, you might see people dressed up and stuff like that, or maybe like for LSU games. But well, bleachers is where people would dress up whatever f- team they were fans of and show up there. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and they they didn't have they didn't have seats and tables. They literally had bleachers yes. in front of huge. Uh, you know, huge televisions, and they had cold wings and warm beer. But you know, they had the Sunday ticket, which was a novelty back then. Yeah, um, yeah. This place, they might do Sunday ticket. I don't know, but it's not explicitly a sports. Yeah, bar. you would you know, go there whether or not you wanted to see a game or not. You want a beer and a burger, you or you wanted to meet up with some out of town yeah, friends. Yeah, it's a good place to go hang out. It's a real cool bar, and uh, and lately, people that have come through, I take them there just because. You know, at this age, I don't even know where to go hang out anymore. But I'm like, this place is always cool. And everybody I've brought there has always thought it's really cool. Even last night, it was cold and you couldn't hang out on the big deck out back. But they're like, oh, I like this place. I can imagine when it's really nice weather, it's probably really great, huh? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, that was one of, the, um, one of the things that I regretted on your visit down here is that that place we went to to watch – uh, the football games was it's probably one of the worst bars in Asbury, and, and you know yeah. at night it kind of turns into like a little you know um, nouveau riche kind of posh joint, and yeah. you know it's not a place we would go and hang out with otherwise. But you know it, it does have the Sunday ticket, so it was was an easy place to make sure we could get all the football and stuff. Um, but beer gardens apparently. Um, are all the rage now here in Asbury because there's a couple of them going up, and I'm not oh, really? sure what will separate them from a few of the other, you know, normal bars. But I hung out with Pat at one in Hoboken. That's really cool. I don't know if you've been to that one. Um, it's a big. It's it's it. I mean, they call this place I went to Beer Garden, but it's it's not it's not what you imagine whereas one Hoboken was like when you think of like a beer garden like they were even serving the German style sausage and all that type of stuff and pretzels big long tables that kind of yeah, deal yeah 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 it's a I think it's called the Hoboken beer garden okay or something like that but it's a pretty cool place is that what they're building in uh, yeah or is that what's going up in Asbury those yeah. type of places yeah there's two of them and they're roof decks the whole deal so oh man that's really cool yeah that'll be fun because they're both on the water uh, one's on a lake one's on the ocean um, I guess technic technically speaking uh, Asbury Park is a peninsula it's got water on three sides oh okay but um. 
but two of them are lakes, so maybe technically that's not a peninsula. I don't know. But either way, um, they've got one going up on the south end of town and one going up right on the right on the ocean. So it'll be cool. It'll be a good summer this year. I, um, I'm looking forward to it. Last summer sucked because I ended it's up getting... like a character for like a teen movie or something. What's that? It's going to be a great summer. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, man. It can't be any worse than this winter. It snowed again. Most places got eight inches to a foot. I was lucky because um, we're right on the water, so it all turned to slush. But like... Yeah. Um, my parents got eight inches. My brother got almost a foot. What did Andrew get? Like f- four or five inches? <laughs> <laughs> uh, on a good day. Sorry, man. <laughs> on a good day, on the way up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, after God, two, after two vodka grapefruits, but not after four. <laughs> Oh, God. Yeah, every, Pat was telling me like a bunch of people didn't make it in yesterday because the weather's so screwy everywhere else. Yeah, and I'd never, imagine a, from up here, a lot of people probably fly into Atlanta depending on what airport they fly out of. That's the problem. The Atlanta, the weather in Atlanta has been horrible. I mean, well, that whole area, Georgia, North Carolina, you saw they canceled the, they postponed the Duke UNC game last night. I saw that. I saw that. That was on UNC's campus? Uh, uh, yeah. I, I, I think so. I think it was at the Dean Dome. And they yeah. obviously just take a bus there, so they couldn't get the the teams in. Yeah, it was just the weather was, I mean, they're only separated not too many miles, but I guess just everything was so screwed up they didn't want people to be on the roads, you know? Well, the reason I asked specifically um, is a little self-serving because I wanted to uh, do a little research and see if um, Krzyzewskiville broke down uh, because of inclement weather. Because obviously uh, for the UNC game, that's a, that's a big ticket item. And, and regardless of how UNC's playing every year, um, that's the game. That's the rivalry yeah. game. So, um, you know, you feel a little guilt about ranking on the boat, Heinberg. <laughs> well, I'm not, I wasn't sure which way I was going to go. I wasn't sure if I was hoping that they did stay intact and they um, were able to ride it out, or to be honest, a small part of me was hoping that they broke it down as well, so I could kind of retract my um, sentiment in terms of bashing. Uh, the Beheimberg, because although I do take issue with the fact that they had a snow day at Syracuse University last week, uh, unbelievable, man! I was like, talking. How Go. soft are these kids now that they're doing snow days in Syracuse? Although I did see a picture, and it was a total whiteout. Yeah, I know, but how often did we have total whiteouts when we were there? There, we had a stretch of two weeks where the air temperature was below zero. Air temperature was below zero, which is way more um, distressful than um, than um, than snow. Yeah. You frostbite just from being outside for minutes. I mean, if only they had Chris Elliott there driving around plowing stuff to prevent him <laughs> from getting snow day. <laughs> but uh. I, was t- I was talking to somebody about that um, recently, about just the the inclement weather reaction in general. And I don't know if it's because society is more litigious. I don't know whether because risk management plays a greater role. I don't know whether it's because insurance premiums are higher or people are actually smarter and care more in terms of wanting to protect 
you know, their assignees um, and wards because schools are constantly um, canceling the day before a snowstorm, oh. just in case. If it's too yes. cold for the kids to stand at the bus stop, they you know they have a two hour delay opening. Like to me, yeah, that's soft. But it, there's got to be something more to it. I just don't know what it is. Like, well, yeah, we live in a country of pussies. <laughs> I mean, I think about that. Like when I see, like you know, like you see, like if you ever watch, like you ever see the original Dirty Harry. Yes, and like he. You know, that movie's view is like the, you know, like he's steering down like on the hippies that are moving in and the gays and stuff. But San Francisco still had like its hard edge, hardcore people back then. And they even show those people too, like the longshoremen and stuff, you know? Right. And then like you see a city like Seattle that used to be a very blue collar city. But now all those cities are like just completely full of pussies. Where did they all come from? You know? You know yeah. what I'm saying? No, it's true. Where did they all come from? And where did all the hard hardcore people go? I know they're still around. I guess they've been moved to the suburbs or something. And I know they still got friggin' blue-collar uh, hard asses in San Francisco because apparently if you go to a 49ers game, it's full of drunk assholes. That's <laughs> uh, true. But where do they come from? Where, well, I know where they come from. They come from the East Coast. But... <laughs> what happens to all the other people? <laughs> That's true, man. That's true. It's ridiculous, you know. <laughs> oh, uh, it, it kills me though. It just, it, but you know, and I say looking at it there, but it's happening to this city, you know. Yeah, you walk around and you see these people. Like last night, the barberette. There was a guy in a Syracuse sweatshirt there. I'm like, oh, They're like, look, hey, you you from Syracuse? You went to Syracuse? He's like, no, I'm from Liverpool. But he didn't go to Syracuse University. But he's hanging out with a guy that was a, a wearing a Pittsburgh shirt who is a graduate of the University of Pittsburgh. Now, that's a weird combination in New Orleans uh, now. That, But that was – but it's but it's more likely now because these people are moving in. Ten years ago, you would have never – run into two guys, uh, two Yankees like that, hanging out at a regular bar in the city of New Orleans, you know? Yeah. And eventually they will take over our city too. All right. So it's funny. I always bypass this kind of stuff because, um, you know, we do a lot more, or you actually do a lot more interaction um, on, on social media um, in an attempt to promote this podcast, I, I tend to follow along a little more um, and, you know, see a bunch of those things that I always kind of bypass um, in terms of, you know, BuzzFeed quizzes and all that kind of stuff that I certainly yeah. don't have any interest in sharing with taking, let alone sharing with the world. But there's this there's this one that I saw today that I, I I'm going to want you to take. I'm going to I'm going to read you the questions because uh, of all the people and this includes the Boston guys. This includes p- people that I know from the West Coast. You're the one person who I believe uh, embodies and um, um, represents his hometown in all facets of his life. So okay. 
in, in, in when I think of New Orleans, when I see something about New Orleans, when I read something about New Orleans, I'm like, <laughs> fucking live. <laughs> because it's whatever they're doing is exactly what you would be doing. So I, I've come up with this theory that of all the people I know, and even the Boston guys, as much as Mike Reardon is Boston, there's still enough of his personality where he is probably suited to live somewhere else, or you know, this be, isn't the which state should I live in, Testa? It, it is. <laughs> it is. So I'm going to give you the what state should I live in test, and we'll see how you fare. Now, most of these are pretty straightforward, but we're going to have to get creative on a few of them um, because it's like, what picture would you choose? But I have a pretty good idea. I'm what afraid you- of these because they never, they never come out the way I expect. Okay, that's, that's why I want this. That's yeah. why I want to take it because if you aren't New Orleans, it's full of shit. Yeah. Okay. So, which of these is your favorite fast food chain? Sparrow's, Jerry's Pizza and Subs, Chick-fil-A, Gifford's, Whataburger, Louisiana, Popeye's Louisiana Chicken. Popeye's. That's it? Okay. I mean, where are the other options? Um, Space Aliens, Moxie, Never Dunkin' Donuts, PT, Geno's, or Taco John's? Definitely Popeye's. All right. Which of these TV shows most appeals to you? Army Wives? The Drew Carey Show, Breaking Bad, Community, American Pickers, The Pretender, Justified, The Office, Gilmore Girls, Buckskin, Hawaiian Fi- Hawaii Five O, the new version, or Parks and Recreation. Mm, I, I think I like Community out of those shows the most. All right. I have a feeling American Pickers might get me more towards the South, though. um okay there's this is this is one where you have to choose a picture and it says choose a baby and there's 12 choices but the one i'm gonna pick for you is um a little baby head sticking out of a grown man's suit (laughs) (laughs) all right all right so that's the one i'm gonna pick for you because i think you would pick that uh which animal do you feel best represents you um a black stallion a rooster, a squirrel, a cardinal, a grizzly bear, an otter, an elk, a roadrunner. Um, I don't know what this is. Some type of loon, some type of duck, a manatee, or a bison. Hmm. What represents me? All right. Which animal do you feel best represents you? Yes. Uh, it's a loon. It's like a uh, like like a duck. I'll go with the duck looking thing. All right. Uh, what quality are you most attracted to in a partner? Uh, well educated, mysterious, cultured, interesting, youthful, mature, thoughtful, ravenous, free spirited, physical beauty, generous, or unpredictable. Uh, I'll say unpredictable. All right. You uh, definitely not get in New Orleans if you say educated. <laughs> All right. Which of these negative adjectives best applies to you? Needy, severe, stingy, obsessive, indulgent, boring, miserable, distracted, depressed, cold, aloof, reactionary. Indulgent. 
All right. And mind you, I'm not saying you're not getting educated because there's no educated women down here. <laughs> it's more because I know how these tests go. They educate, they're going to they're gonna align that with some West Coast or East Coast city or something. All right. Uh, pick a musician. Elvis, Tina Turner, Jewel, Stevie Wonder, Bright Eyes, Al Green, Bon Iver, Hank Williams, Fish, Johnny Cash, The Flaming Lips, or Jimi Hendrix? Uh, who... Go go through the first four again. I'm sorry. Elvis. Yeah. Tina Turner. Jewel. Stevie Wonder. Uh, Elvis. All right. Elvis and Stevie Wonder. That's a tough one for me. All right. Which of these names would you choose for your baby? Michael. Sophia. William. Abigail. Jacob. Olivia. Liam. Isabel. Alexander, Ava, Jaden, Emma. Oh, Emma was the last one? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Michael. Yeah. Michael Peters Livicari. Yeah. Well, I'm Matthew Michael Livicari, so. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, which of- I named his kid Matthew Michael, not knowing that it was my name, so naturally I took credit for it. Who did that? A buddy of mine, he, his firstborn is Matthew Michael Donovan, but he didn't name him after me, or at least that's what he says, but I like to think he did. Now you got to buy the kid his books for college. That's the deal, I think. Yeah, well, he, he, he doesn't credit me as the namesake, so screw him. <laughs> <laughs> All right, which of, these, uh, which of these is your favorite movie quote? Uh, let me see how many there are. All right, I'm going to just narrow this down from a movie. You tell me if you would actually... I love how everything that hinges on whether I'm a real New Orleanian's based on <laughs> based on what I would name my child. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm thinking, what's the most New Orleans child name? <laughs> all right, you're not a big Kevin Smith fan, so you wouldn't take, a, you wouldn't take a, um, a quote from Clerks. Would you take a quote from Something About Mary? Yeah, I probably would. Okay, the quote is, oh man, how do you get the beans above the frank? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, I know that. Okay, uh, Bull, uh, Bull Durham? Uh, no, I'm not really a big Bull Durham. Uh, the Titans? Remember the Titans? Never even saw it. Okay, Fast Times at Ridgemont High? I do like that movie a lot. All I need are some tasty waves, a cool buzz, and I'm fine. All right. Uh, Goonies, you, you got to take the Goonies. Of course, I love Goonies. Goonies never say die. All right. Uh, SLC Punk, I don't even know what that is. I know Matthew Lillard's in that, but I'm going to pass on that. All right. Uh, the Tao of Steve. That's the Donald Logue movie, right? Uh, yes. Yeah, I'm going to pass on that. Uh, Blues Brothers, we're on a mission from God. Yeah, of course, that's a good one. Fargo. Yeah, that's not going to define me. All right. Uh, Scarface, say hello to my little friend. Mm, to Miami. All right. And then uh, The Wizard of Oz, there's no place like home. Uh, I go with The Wizard of Oz. All right. All right. Oh, this is a good one. Choose an actor. Uh, Denzel Washington. Okay. The Hoff. Julia Roberts. Anna Kendrick. 
Matthew McConaughey, Ellen DeGeneres, uh, Josh Duhamel. Is that how you say his name? Duhamel. Dumel, I think. Dumel. Uh, Aaron Paul, Will Smith, Jimmy Kimmel, Steve Harvey, or Harrison Ford. All right, I'm going to try the game system a little bit here. Okay. Ellen DeGeneres. <laughs> oh, what's your party anthem? Stronger by Kanye West, Don't Stop Believing by Journey, YMCA by The Village People, Fergalicious by Fergie, Rock You Like a Hurricane by The Scorpions, uh, This Is How We Do It by Montel Jordan, Cotton Eyed Joe by Rednecks, Last Night by The Strokes, Honey by Mariah Carey, Fell in Love with a Girl by The White Stripes, Drunken Love by Beyonce, and Shots by LMFAO. I'll go with Rocky Like a Hurricane. All right. For the Scorpions. Yep. All right. This is another picture one. You got mountains, suburbia, plains, or valleys. What? Yeah. Well, I mean, those are... flies to New Orleans? Those are Uh, the general ideas. Okay. What is it again? Mountains. Definitely not mountains. Okay. So no mountains. You have like, uh, like plains and prairie. Nope. Suburbia. Or like, um, or like valleys with like waterfalls and um, foliage and. I guess I'm gonna say the valleys. I don't know. None of that describes Louisiana. Um. <laughs> yeah, there really is nothing. Um, this is kind of a swim. There's a maybe this is a swamp. <laughs> is it a gonna- swamp? I'm going to pick the one that looks like a swamp. Okay. See, I really like Matthew McConaughey. Oh! Let's go back and change your Ellen DeGeneres. For real. Pick your... Why? Was that the end? That was the end. And what did it come up with? Mississippi. (laughs) Do Matthew McConaughey and see what it says. Oh, shit. It doesn't let you... Oh, uh, crap. Let me see if I go... Uh. You can reload it, can't you? No, you can't reload it. Oh, uh, we will never know, Liv. Uh. I got to think Matthew McConaughey either gets you, you... You only move in one of two directions with Matthew McConaughey. You but I'm saying to- Ellen DeGeneres is from friggin' New Orleans. Oh, she is? Yeah, I mean, she's from Metairie, even. Yeah, but I think that would be... That would skew you more towards, like, New York, San Francisco, L.A. Well, that's why I said I was trying to game the system. Yeah. Um, I, think I am really more of a McConaughey fan. Like, I'm sure we've been over that before, how I used to think he was just a joke. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, like, not a joke. Like, I thought he was great. Like, he was my favorite because of what he did. You know, he made crappy romantic comedies and got messed up and had a good time besides that, you know? And I used to love him for that because I was like, that guy has the best life in the world. No stress to win awards. And then he said, screw it. He threw that all out a window. And now he does serious movies. And I love him in all those. Yeah. Um, so I'm guessing. My answer. I'm guessing that if you went with Matthew McConaughey, it would have moved you. Where is this quiz? I, it's on Facebook. Like It's one of those things that pop yeah. up that people who... You're like, how do they, they have kids and shit? How do they have time to do any of this stuff? Dude, I don't know. That stuff's been blowing up for the past three weeks. Every day it's like, oh, what pretty little liars character are you? All this shit I'm seeing on here. You know, uh, what walking dead character? Uh, Game of Thrones. I'm like, 
It's somebody just generating all these quizzes and everybody's doing them like the same people are doing them constantly apparently right and they're always this in my experience is they're always the same people who never have enough time to do anything well yeah um, they're too busy working on their facebook quizzes <laughs> they're also the same people who posted their um their this is me video like the day uh, it became thank available God, that is that has faded away. That had like a one-week run where it was everywhere. All right. Hey, I went back and I redid the test. If you got Matthew McConaughey, you would have also gotten Mississippi. So, um, There's something that's skewing on there. <laughs> so I'm going to have to... It's close enough, I guess. I'm going to have to go with my initial thought that it's bullshit, but it's pretty damn close, man. It's pretty damn yeah. close. Not to disrespect... Um, well, it hurts my heart this, to... To know that some random test thinks I should live in Mississippi. <laughs> well, of course, that's where my dad's living, so maybe it's close enough. Maybe, yeah, maybe that's where your heart is. Yeah, all right. Um, uh, all right, let's talk about something uh, of substance here. Well, let me tell you about something that happened a couple weeks ago. Since you've been on the mend. Yes. I think we must have done our last show on January 23rd, correct? Um, let's see. January 23rd would have been correct. Yeah. Okay, so January 25th, I went to this event downtown with my, uh, you know, invited by my friend who I work with, Jacob. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Creation American Society Dance. With the um, orange tree. Yeah, the guy that has the orange tree. Jacob's got the orange tree, right? Yes, yes, yes. Jacob and the orange tree. But I drove down there and I, you know, made a point that I wasn't going to drive back. So next day, my sister dropped me off to get my car. And on the way back, I stopped by to get some breakfast at this place, Surrey's, on Magazine Street, you know, down, um, I guess that's the lower garden district I was in. And, um, And I ate my breakfast, which was phenomenal, got in the car and drove. And I was still in Magazine because I was going to drive all the way down Magazine back towards the river and take River Road, which eventually leads you to Metairie. Uh, just taking a nice a nice drive, a nice Sunday morning drive, you know? Yep. And uh, somewhere along Magazine, yeah, a car pulls in front of me and I notice it's plates. You know, it's got a Syracuse sticker, and it's got a license plate border, Syracuse alumni. And I'm like, I got to know who the frig this is, you know, because that's like the white whale seeing Syracuse alum down here, you know? Is it a, is it a Louisiana plate? Yeah, it was a Louisiana plate, too. Okay. Um, and it also had a sticker from a dealer that I knew was a, a Lafayette dealer. You know, uh, Lafayette's like... Two or so hours away okay. from here. And while I was there, actually, I did know one guy who was from Lafayette. He was in, um, he was in as Klaus would call it, Zayu. <laughs> uh, this kid, Austin Shoots, he was from Lafayette. Uh, but anyway, so I'm like, I got to know who this guy is. So I'm behind him the whole way, and it's a 25-mile-per-hour uh, speed limit, you know? So you're behind people constantly. It's not like heavy rush of traffic. And uh, and as we get to a certain point, I can tell he's trying to pull over. He wants to go eat at this place, which is actually the second location of the same place I had just eaten 
at the other end of the street. And, and he can't find parking. And he turns the corner to go park. And I'm like, fucking hell, follow him. <laughs> Wait a minute. In my mind right now, you've just entered a, a, another dimension and you're actually following yourself. <laughs> when he when you said he was going to go eat at the same place you ate, that's where it tipped well, it off. I, he didn't say he was, but I could tell he was. Is this is know? what is this what happens? You found yourself in a second dimension. Yes, yes. <laughs> he was he was, but it, but he apparently I assume that's what he was doing because he tried to park in front of the place, you know. Okay. And he turned the corner, and then he turns the next corner to park on the back street there. And he pulls in. And I pull up alongside him. I roll my window down, and he's looking at me a little startled. And I'm like, roll your window down. I'm sure he's probably thinking, what could I have done to piss this guy off? You know? And uh, I'm like, hey, man, you went to Syracuse? He's like, yeah. (laughs) And he was very nervous at first. But then I was like, oh, cool. I was like, I went there, too. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, He's like, "Uh, what year? I'm like, what year you graduated? He's like, 2008. And... I know nobody down here from Syracuse. The only person I know that's a Syracuse alum, and I probably should have told this story before, is a guy who's on the news named Lee Zurich. And the oh. funny thing, excuse me? That name sounds familiar. He graduated he probably around- graduated either my freshman year or, um, or either your, he graduated either when Sean graduated my freshman year or when you graduated. He was in SAE. He's from New Orleans. He's a Jewish kid, but I didn't know him. But you remember Rob Langdon? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All I knew about Lee Zurich was this. This is a little aside, but it's kind of, you know, it kind of works in this story. Rob Langdon, every time he would get really drunk, you know, when I used to work at Fagan's, he would always be like, he'd be like, hey, do you know Lee Zurich? You know, he's, <laughs> he was in my house. And I'm like, no, I don't know Lee Zurich. <laughs> You know, and this this would go on all the time for like a year and a half. You know? Like I probably answered that question at least four or five times. Uh, and it was always when he was drunk, he'd think, oh, you're from New Orleans. Do you know Lee Zurich? Like he had nothing else to talk to me about, I guess. And then um, and then when I graduated in 99, I, I come home from Syracuse that August. I came home for good. I remember I turned on the news and I'm waiting to see the sports and on the sports Sportscast comes on and it's Lee Zurich. I'm like, holy fuck, that's Lee Zurich. <laughs> that's the guy Rob Langdon was always asking me about. And he's from New Orleans, but I never knew him. He's, you know, he was a Jewish kid, went to the school of Newman. You know, I mean, I never had any reason to know Lee Zurich. Right. And, um, and the funny thing is sometimes like, um, like, one year, hell, this was like in 2001. That's how long ago this was. We were at the Saints Black and Gold Inter Squad uh, scrimmage game, me and my buddies. And uh, I see Lee Zurich out there, and he's on the phone. I'm like, fuck, this is the time. I got to go say something to Lee Zurich. <laughs> and so I'm walking past him, uh, and I said, hey, <laughs> I said, hey, man, Rob Langdon says hi. <laughs> He was like he was on he was on business, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was out there reporting the things, but he was on the cell phone and he's holding on the phone and he puts up his finger like you know, holding his index finger like wait, wait one second, and he hangs up the phone. He's like, 
how do you know Rob Langdon? <laughs> and I told him, and he was like, oh, okay. So then over the course of years, on a couple occasions, like, uh, like I've just, I've seen him places, I've just said shit to him about Rob Langdon. Like, one day, this is like my, maybe my first year of law school, it was like the last day of finals of the second semester, and I'm driving down St. Charles, heading to a party or something. I was with somebody, I was in the passenger seat, I see Lee Zurich walking the street, and he's got his kid in a stroller, his baby in a stroller. <laughs> I rolled out a window. <laughs> I said, hey, Zurich. He turns around and looks at me, <laughs> like all startled. I was like, what do you think of Rob Langdon? <laughs> And, and he, he looks at me and laughs. He goes, oh, fuck that guy. <laughs> uh, at any point, does he make the connection at, uh, over all these times that you're the same guy? Well, I mean, I don't know if he, I have no clue, you know, because I've never, I've never had like a one-on-one counter other than at one time where I actually went up and talked to him. But I'm sure it might have rung a bell. Be like, hey, that's got to be that guy I talked to eight years ago or whatever it was. Six or seven years ago at that point. I don't know. Yeah, he he graduated in 96. um, And he must have either come into the bar. He must have come into the bar if he was an SAE. Um, I'm sure, since Langdon was bartending too. And he must have been in like classes with with Reardon, who was a broadcast journalism major. And, you know, he kind of knew all those guys. So I kind of remember definitely the name. And I'm sure that... I've met the guy before, but that's hysterical, man. <laughs> now he's like the big bulldog investigative reporter for one of the stations, which he transitioned into uh, after Katrina. Like, he was the one blowing the top off when Benson, the owner of Saints, was angling to move the team to San Antonio. He became, like, enemy number one. But now, oddly enough, he actually works for the station that the owner of the Saints owns. You know, it's crazy. He's become like New Orleans version of Mike Wallace. You don't want Lee Zurich knocking on your door. (laughs) (laughs) You know, he was like this sports guy, and now he's transitioned into hardcore investigative reporter Lee Zurich. Um, But anyway, so, like, I had nothing to talk to. So, going back to the kid I'm talking to, uh, and I was like, oh, all right, really cool. I'm like, he's like, yeah, I'm from here. I'm class of 99. Uh... And he's like, yeah, well, I'm from Lafayette, blah, blah, blah. Uh, he's like, I went up there to study uh, broadcast uh, communications or whatever. I was like, oh, all right. I was like, yeah, there's not too many Syracuse alum down here. I'm like, I'm like you know Lee Zurich? <laughs> 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 he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know who he is, W-A-E-R. Because <laughs> that's all I had to say to him. I'm like, what am I? I have nothing to say. This could be on, oh, that's cool. You went to Syracuse. And then he's like. He's like, yeah, there's no alumni association or anything down here. He's like, I know the, I know one or two other guys the kid's telling me. I was like, oh, yeah, we should do something about that. We should get an <laughs> alumni association. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, cool. I was like, yeah, I'll get on that. And then, um, and I was like, all right, cool, man, take care. And I was like, go orange. I went away. I never got his name. <laughs> I never got anything. You know, uh, as I drove away, I was like, there's no way I'm getting in touch with that kid about the alumni association. I don't even know his name. <laughs> you know? And I'm like, maybe I could. And I was like, but I'll email the school, you know? And then I thought to myself, I was like, I was telling this to Pat and Amy last night. I was like, the reason I, the reason I don't want to do that is because then – I'm stuck having to watch Syracuse sporting events at this bar with people I don't even know that I may not even like. 
And it's going to be like four or five of them because that's probably all they have in this city. It will be like it, it'll be like um, being a, a perpetual freshman. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I was like, if me being the the impetus behind the New Orleans Alumni Association means I have to get up off my ass and go somewhere to watch these basketball games, no, no <laughs> dice. <laughs> <laughs> so I will live I will live in silence and root independently. Yeah. It's the way every fan awkward interactions with people who happen to go to the same college as me. <laughs> oh, that's funny, man. So that was it. You then you just drove away and the guy went to eat breakfast. Yeah, he went to eat his breakfast. <laughs> gave him a good hearty go orange and I went on my way. So he sits down like was he was he by himself or or was he was he... with like his girlfriend or wife or whatever she was, you know? Imagine if he wasn't and he went home or he went into the restaurant and she's like, "Who's um? Who, I saw you outside talking to that guy. Who was that guy? Yeah, uh, I, don't, I don't I don't know, man. He followed me down River Road for about five miles and then um, I couldn't find a spot and he followed me and he kind of cornered me here and then he rolled down his window. And he goes, "Hey." You know Lee Zarek? <laughs> he was definitely startled at first because if somebody pulls up alongside of you after they've been behind you, you're thinking, I must have pissed that guy off. You know? Yeah, well, yeah no doubt. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it was, it. you know, it's like Syracuse things are so rare down here. You know, seeing anybody with Syracuse, I can spot it a mile away when I see, like, the orange, you know? Yeah. But, um, and like, like I told you, there was a Pittsburgh guy in the bar last night. So when the, when we're in there, I saw him before the game ended. I was like, oh, I was like, oh, fuck, there's a Pittsburgh fan in here, you know, because it was looking bad for us. Right. I was like, that's really going to suck. You know, so we went and we hit that shot. I jumped out of my seat. I'm like, yes. And Pat and Amy and I were going crazy. And then I knew that pit guy was right on the other side there. So I was like, well, that pit guy probably doesn't even know that I know he's here. So I just blurred out. I was like, man, I'd really hate to be a pit fan today. <laughs> <laughs> and later on, he came up to us, you know, all conciliatory. And was like, good game, guys. And I'm like, well, good. He's handling this a hell of a lot better than I would have handled it if it was the other way around. Yeah, so you don't even like to go out and watch no, because that, I was events. bitching about that during the game. A, the volume wasn't on, you know, and like the TV that was biggest and closest to us, they had on, they had it on the Olympics at first, and we we're gonna ask them to change it, but then they changed it to the Pelicans game, and you're not, they're not gonna change it from the local NBA team's game, you know? Right, right, right. For that, so we had to watch on this TV that was across the way, and it was behind the pool table, so all these people were playing pool, and we have to keep craning our necks. And then the other part that was peeing me off, because this is specifically when I turned to them, I was telling them this is why I watch things at home. Uh, there was some kind of BS file call or non-call or whatever. And I was like, this is pissing me off because they didn't show the replay. I'm like, at home, I can rewind that and I can see if I'm justified in being angry. I just can't deal with that in a bar. And the other thing is you're surrounded by people who don't care. Right. The only guy that ended up caring about that game in the bar was some some old degenerate gambler who had uh who had taken Syracuse with the one and a half point spread. So he was happy. He was happy when it was fifty five to fifty four because he, or uh, yeah, fifty five to fifty four because he's like uh, 
He's like, I'm going to I win my bet either way now, you know? Right. And I'm like, shut the fuck up. I'm, yes, I'm happy you're winning your bet, but we actually care about this other than that, you know? Right. And, you know, because I don't know, maybe it's, it's just kind of the station I am in life or because I've been there for two Final Fours. I was at the National Championship game. Like, I, I don't know. I have this little bit of, um, I don't know, what's the, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, entitlement when it comes to rooting for Syracuse Athletics. So when I'm out, I'll, click, I'll quickly be able to decipher between alumni and fan base. And yeah. like being a, being a Syracuse um, uh, alumni, I appreciate the fact that there's a somewhat of a national fan base, even though it's it's more regional than some other big schools like Michigan or or USC. Um, but you know, I kind of look you know a little a little sideways at the folks who are just the fan base, and and right or wrong, you know, I should like the fact that people support you know our alum our alma mater i should like the fact that people were rooting for them to succeed but you know somewhere inside it's kind of like maybe it's the school loan thing you know maybe it's you know the the um you know the the pride factor maybe it's those couple years that we didn't have such great teams that you know that that we kind of lived with you just kind of say well okay that's nice but you know i'm kind of alumni and (laughs) I go out and I watch a game and I'll quickly find those folks um, and you know try to stay away from them because the conversation is always it's it's always two dimensional in the sense that you know they only want to talk about some game or some stat or some player that they've held on to for whatever reason it, the conversation never morphs or it never uh, evolves into you know just the general experience you know oh yeah i remember that 96 game when sapola hit that shot yeah. against georgia oh all, i remember i was at fagans watching the game oh you used to go to fagans yeah uh you know guy oh of course i do oh that's great yeah i used to work there blah 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 blah, blah. that's uh, a conversation that i would you know, I would enjoy in some instances, not necessarily in the throes of you know uh, of a contested game, but at least yeah. to me, that's an upside to being out watching the game. I don't want to sit next to the guy and have him you know misquote and misrepresent um, you know the the ninety six team as the ninety four team, or you know talk about the um, the uh, Indiana game. As you know, yeah. the the eighty four team, um, just you know, those kind of things bug me because there's no there's no need for it. If you don't know it, don't talk about it. Just enjoy the game. Yeah, you know. But yeah, yeah. there's this sports talk show culture that everybody needs to be uber fan or everybody needs to be more knowledgeable than the guy they're sitting next to, and and they never are. So it's always oh, yeah. a pain in the ass. So, yeah, I'm, like these people, they start quoting stats and all that. I'm like, I don't know. I'm just watching the games. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I hate that. Like, you're trying to prove to me that you're a better fan than me or something, you know? That annoys the hell out of me. So yeah. I, I subscribe to your theory. I'd much rather watch it at home. I'd much rather watch it, yeah. you know, in a comfortable location that's a controlled environment. But, you know, not having TV... 
if I want to see it live, it really limits my options. So yeah, um, true. You know, I, I do um, find myself at a sports bar probably fifty percent of the time, and about half of those times, um, I'm distracted by the Yahoo sitting next to me, trying to strike up a conversation, or worse, talking over me. Well, that's the thing. We're sitting at a table, and the degenerate gambler guy is at the bar. You know, like the table's right there, and the bar's right behind us. And he keeps trying to talk to us, and I'm like, and like we're clearly like engrossed into the game. Right. You know, because we're we're actual fans. And it's like, dude, quit talking to me about your point spread. You know, he's just this was just game this was just a game to bet on him. Bet bet on for him, you know? And what is his what's that? What what do you think is worse? Being in a in a situation where um you know, you're in a bar where the hundred percent focus is the game. They've got sound on. They've got, you know, they've got everybody's attention turned to the televisions. Yeah. Um, but it's half Syracuse crowd, half Pittsburgh crowd. I don't know where that would necessarily happen, but it's a scenario that you know you can kind of at least envision. Yeah. And you're out in that environment, or. Yeah. In an, in a in a place like you were last night, where there's only two or three people with rooting interests, everybody else doesn't care. What's more, what do you find more stressful, or you know, what do you find um, in terms of viewing pleasure? To be- I, viewing pleasure, probably. I'll say this much: the first scenario is a hell of a lot more pleasant when you win. <laughs> well, Trust okay. Me, I'm sitting in the poorhouse with Brian Peters da- at the downstairs bar. With the volume turned up on the big screen, watching Syracuse lose to Vermont that year. Oh, yeah. And that was fucking miserable. It was great while we thought we were going to win, you know? Yep. Uh, but it, it's, um, I definitely prefer that over being in, a, being in a room full of people that don't give a damn at all. And they don't mind walking in front of you and blocking your way. That was like this guy last night. He could clearly tell that we were trying to watch that TV, and he kept standing in front of us, you know? Yeah, and, see, that's miserable. That just annoys the hell out of me, because you know, we all knew that he knew we were watching. Right. You know? Right. He sees us sitting there craning, and he's still going to be a dink like that. You know, because fuck that. Uh, sports are for, like, people that conform or something, you know? One of these fucking hipster dicks. <laughs> Wait, that's great. Hipster dick. That should be a band. Yeah. You know those types, you know? <laughs> like, it's, like you're watching that. Oh, that's that's not cool, man. He had the, the knit cap on that... Yeah, ponytail and all yeah. this bullshit. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Those people just annoy me. Uh, In general, what did you... Um, what, what were your impressions of the game? And, and how did it stack up um, just in terms of just watching experience, viewing experience compared to the Duke game? Well, the Duke game was really intense. That's another thing. I'm unable to pay constant attention to it when I'm in a bar anyway. You know, especially like we're sitting there, we're getting food, and, you know, even though we all want to watch, we're trying to talk because we haven't seen each other in a while. You know, and I'm like, oh, wait, we got to pay attention. Right. You know, and I know uh, Pat was into it but i know amy was probably more like me because she was a hell of a lot more nervous you know like like she could barely even watch when 
But right before that, when they went up ahead, I was like, don't worry, you're going to give it to Ennis, coast to coast. You know? Yeah. So even though when I was imagining coast to coast, I was thinking him driving. I wasn't thinking him pulling up a 35-footer, you know? <laughs> I was thinking like, uh, you know, uh, what's a, what's the name of that guy for uh, Ty Edney? Tyus Edney, you remember that? Yes. Yep. UCLA, UCLA play. I think there was like 4.9 seconds of that game when he got the ball and went down the court. Right. That's what I was thinking, that type of thing. I was like, 4.4 seconds, you get the ball and dart right to the hoop, you know, or at least get into the paint. And I was like, coast to coast. So he scored. She's like, you said it, coast to coast. But the Duke game was ridiculously intense watching that. And I was watching that solitary, and it was stressful. And I'm like, we have to win this game. I was like, because for one – Especially when Suleiman made that three-pointer. It's like, I even before he made that three-pointer, it was like, they're going to be all over this game on TV. But when he hits that three-pointer send to OT, it's like, oh, we can't lose now or else that's going to be the story is how great Duke is now and how they pulled it out and knocked this off, you know? The, I thought the games were similar in the sense that they were both close games. Yes. Um they were well matched in terms of style, at least you know in in the particular matchup. Um, but the Duke game obviously was more intense because a it was a little more high profile, but b the style of the game kind of kept you involved. Yes. This game kind of lulled you to sleep. I kept having to check the score and be like, "Wait a minute, we're only down four? Well, and this this is the thing. Like, even though Pitt's been playing terrible, it doesn't matter. They get up to play us. You know why? Because that's their Final Four, because they'll never get to a Final Four. And uh, that, But they do particularly get up to play us all the time. And that, especially in that building, that's an intense building. The, yes. they're, they're pretty intelligent fan base, and that student body is... I've been there. That's up. They're up oh, there with almost... Game there? Yeah. They're almost up there with with almost anybody in the in the country. They're up there with the Dukies, and they're up there, um, you know, with with UNC. They they know their stuff, and they're right on top of the court. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think we might have been the first Big East team to beat them there. You know, I'm trying to think. I remember when they first opened that place; they never lost. And I think we might have been the first to beat them, but it's still rare to beat them there. Yeah, and um. But the thing is, they always play us tough. And one thing that always pissed me off about Pittsburgh, it pissed me off about UConn too. Whenever we played those teams, those teams, it's uh, they have the reputation of being hard on defense. So they seem to get away with a lot of shit that would be fouls otherwise. All right, that's funny because you um, you didn't have the sound on, but they did a they did a whole segment on um, Jamie Dixon and his. Um, resistance at first to buy into like the working class blue collar mentality of Pittsburgh. They, you know, they got away from defense. They got away from rebounding. They got away from hard nosed play because Pittsburgh had a rep, you know, kind of had a bad rap as a city in terms of being, you know, dirty, being, you know, blue collar. It was hard to attract recruits, et cetera, et cetera. And then the. <laughs> And then he said that, um, listen, those attributes can win us basketball games, so let's adopt them. Let's adopt the personality of the community. 
Let's make that our calling card. And they became a hard nose, a lunch pail, blue collar team. And you're right. They built that reputation. And I think they get away with shit because of it. Yep. And I think like UConn used to get away with it too. But Pittsburgh always gets away with it. And I'm like, well, we're going to the ACC. They're probably not going to be able to get away with that same BS anymore. You know? Yeah. And then you see it happening. But. It's one of the reasons they never advanced too far in the NCAA tournament, though. Okay, now this is a little bit of my Northeast Conference insight. The one of the reasons they are going to be able to get away with it because with the shifting um, geographic footprint of these conferences, you need referees in those ge- uh, in those geographic locations. So. Now that the ACC has adopted this Northeast Corridor and includes Pittsburgh, includes Syracuse, yeah. includes Boston, all which were, which were Big East schools, they came with Big East referees. Now those referees need games to officiate. They just simply get absorbed into the other conferences or they get distributed differently where yeah. you know, a referee might have done a Big East as his primary um, conference and then... Uh, like the MAC, uh, the Atlantic 10, and Northeast Conference as his fillers. Now he's doing ACC as his primary conference, the American Conference and Big East Conference as his fillers, and not taking anything else. So he's getting those teams that he used to get. He's just getting them in a different conference. And yeah, listen... They're going to emphasize different rules in a particular conference. They'll have a different style. But a referee's a referee. He calls the game the way he calls the no, game. No, I know. But they do call the games. Well, we'll have to see how it plays out. But they do call the games tighter just in general in the NCAAs. In the, yeah, and that's, I understand your theory because that was the thing. Pittsburgh was getting you. They were used to playing in front of the Big East referees that, that were like, well, that's their style. But that's you where know? your theory picks up. Yeah. Picks up credibility because on the NCAA level, they do away with the conference affiliations in the yeah. sense that it's a new offici- uh, um It's a new um, I forget what they call them, but it's it's a new assigner, and yeah. they assign them according. Well, and to- the thing is, you, a lot of times you get officials that haven't done one of your games all year. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, you get a crew that hasn't done done one of the games. Although, like like you're saying about changing the conferences, like last night, real quickly afterwards, I was switching around channels and they had uh, Central Florida play in Memphis, and Jim Burr was doing the game. Okay. You know, Jim Burr, who I can't stand, but he was traditionally Big East referee. Right. You know, I mean, I guess he must be doing American games and probably the old Big East or the new Big East or whatever it is now still, I guess. Because usually they do, like, you know... They do multiple conferences, like you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I just wonder where Gene Steratore will be, the NFL referee that was doing Big East uh, games last year. You know, I wonder if he's going to be an ACC ref or if he's going to be back to doing the Big East and the American stuff, you know? Yeah. I haven't seen him around. Have you? Well, I mean, because the NFL, I think he did did at least one of the – either the NFC or AFC championships – so I, I haven't seen him around, which means he's probably already working. He might be. I bet I'd be willing to bet he's doing Big East and American games. Yeah, that would make sense. Yeah. Um, anything else about the game that uh, strikes your other fancy? Other than how awesome it was when the <laughs> and be, but even before that, 
even before that was uh, C.J. Fair. I Everybody forgets about it now, it's like, but C.J. Fair was on the money. We go down by six. We're down by six with less than two minutes left in that game. Like, I thought that was the death knell when that guy threw up that horrible air ball three-pointer and the guy for Pitt just picked it and put it up there. And we go down by six, you know? Yeah. C.J. Fair hits that three-pointer, and then he comes later on hits that that uh, two sh- that two-pointer from the wing. To cut it to one? Yeah. Yep. I mean, he, like, he had a bad game against uh, Notre Dame, but that was understandable. That Notre Dame game went the way I expected it to go. After... You know, having to get back, have, having 18 to 21, 22-year-old kids have to get back out in the court uh, less than 48 hours after the way the Duke game ended. Yeah. You know, that's kind of how I expected that to go. But but when we need CJ, he comes up big, and he did it again last night. And, friggin', um, and of course, there's not much more you can say about Tyler, Tyler fucking Ennis. He's you know? on fire. Uh, he's he's amazing. That was that shot was money too. It wasn't even a question about it when it when it went out of his hands. It was perfect. Yeah, he was square. He squared himself in the air. Yeah, and he just took a jump shot. It, it was, was it was amazing. Yeah, it, it was it was it was pearl like almost. What was um? Okay, hold on to that. That's interesting. But what was even more amazing and probably makes it even more pearl like. Is or as impressive as a pearl like performance is that he was pretty quiet for most of the game. Not only did he not have a ton of points, he was on the bench for uh, a good stretch uh, in the first half. Um, he played 35 minutes. I think he spent five minutes on the bench in the first half, um, and then he came back in to play the remainder of the game. But he was quiet, he didn't particularly do a lot of things. Um, that would show up in the box score. You know, yeah. he ran the offense. He did what he needed to do. Um, made his free throws. But in that last five minutes, he's he just he's a different player than the other guys on the court. In I saw a stat during the Clemson game that he has zero turnovers in the last five minutes of any ball game this season. Now I don't know if he had one. Um, uh, I have a note here that says we he had, had no turnovers at the end of the game last night because ESPN was showing that statistic uh, on SportsCenter last night. His his st- his stats for the last like five minutes of games that close games or tie games we've been in this year. He's fourteen of fourteen from the free throw. I think his assist to turnover ratio is whatever it is. It's whatever to nothing. It's amazing. Yeah, he's he's uh, he's got. His his field goal percentage is ridiculous. His three point percentage is ridiculous. It's his numbers. He's the guy is he's the ice man, you know? Like he's he's friggin' ice water in his veins. He's sick, man. And even after he hit the shot, he ran down the court. And even though he's running down the court celebrating a game winning uh, shot, he's just still cool. Yeah, he's he's like an extension of Bayon, man. He really, and I think they they were making that point uh, during the broadcast of how much trust Bayheim has for him, and that simply by putting the ball in his hands, Bayheim knows that he's going to make the right decision. Which at the end of the game, I was surprised 
Pittsburgh called the timeout. Me too. To like, set at, their defense. Yeah. At first, they didn't call a timeout right away. No. I was getting peed off because it's like, I was like, what's going on? The refs letting them set up their defense without calling a timeout? Because I was like, that's BS. They got to let us throw the ball in so we can get a playoff because we had no timeouts. You right. Know? Right. I was thinking the same exact thing. And I didn't know. A, I had no volume on, so I didn't know what was going on. But it's like, it looks like they were slowing down the game to let Pittsburgh set their defense up. And I was like, that's BS. They better call timeout if we're going to do it. And finally, they stopped the game. But, but yeah, you were wondering what was going on with that? Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah, you know, at that point, the best thing we could have done was just throw the ball in right away while they were still discombobulated and try to go up the court. And, and that's where I think we would have we would have benefited from having Ennis on the floor and his ability in the last few minutes of the game to make the right decision. Well, and that's the scenario I was imagining him going to coast to coast, having to throw the ball right in without a timeout in between, you know? Right. Because that's when that happens because the defense isn't going to be set up like they were after the timeout where we had to work for it a bit more. Now, I don't know if that, if, if Pitt hurt themselves or helped themselves in that instance, either way, I don't think it matters. I think, he is so clutch. Yeah. I, I do think you're right. If they have to inbound the ball after the made basket, the the play is coast to coast because I think he's got a running start. It's not a yeah. set defense. I think he yep. makes that happen. Uh, I, I don't like leaving it to a 35-footer, but if I'm going to leave yeah. it to a 35-footer, he's probably the guy that I would yeah, leave it to. Yeah, it's interesting because Seth Greenberg and Jay Williams were on after the game, and they were – they were in complete disagreement. Of course, Seth Greenberg's a former coach and Jay Williams a former player. You know, they were in complete disagreement about whether they should call the timeout or not. You know? Yeah, what did Greenberg said yes? Jason well, of said course, no? because he's the coach. So yeah. he's like, yeah, you know, because coaches want too much control and Jay Williams is the player. Right. He's like, you should have left it in the player's hands, you know? Here's what's starting to bother me a little bit, though, as a fan. Or I shouldn't say bother me. It makes me a little nervous is that we've had so many clutch games. We've had so many close games. Forget about the fact that I'm worried that we're going to be tired. We only played six guys last night. Forget about the fact that I think this is going to, while it does build character, uh, it's going to take a toll having to pull these out game after game. And we're going through a murderer's row of of the schedule right now. We've got to go down to Duke. We play Maryland at Maryland. We have to play UVA. And then we have the ACC, uh, ACC tournament. Uh, I realize it's not the Big East tournament, but at the same token, it's a tournament. ACC doesn't award regular season championship. They only award um, their championship based on the tournament. They don't differentiate between the two like the Big East does. So I believe I'm correct on that. And if that's the case, you know, we'd love to capture some type of crown. You know, Uh, if we lose, we're going to want to run out the string. If we don't lose, we're going to want to keep, you know, we're going to want to keep the pressure on ourselves. But people are starting to, you know, not only just jump on the bandwagon, but jump on the bandwagon in terms of where this team belongs in the pantheon of great Syracuse teams, great Syracuse performances, great Syracuse players. And I think it's a little premature for that. And quite frankly, it makes me a little nervous because I don't think it's true. I don't think that that was the biggest shot in the the history of Syracuse basketball like the Dio 
had um um no had like, had, had written about automatically what I first started thinking about obviously was the ninety six uh sweet sixteen round against Georgia. Yep. That you know, game that that game had the two biggest shots I've ever shots. seen. Of course, I did see one person today. Uh, is it Brent Axe, You know, guy for the Post Standard and a Syracuse uh, commentator guy uh, say on Twitter because I guess he was going back and forth with somebody. He's like the difference between there was you know after Jay Deb's shot, Georgia still had two point eight seconds to get off another shot, but still. Uh, uh, and it was the fact that it was in the tournament which made it a bigger deal. But last night was still a pretty damn big shot, a huge shot, no doubt. Um, you know, and the fact that we kind of have, we actually swept Pittsburgh this year. I mean, I, when we were in school, big deal. Pittsburgh was a team we were supposed to beat, but it's been a long time since we've taken two of them, two from them in a season. I'm pretty sure. Well, here's here's my issue with it. Not that it shouldn't be recognized. Not that it isn't special. Not that it isn't great. Because one, as a fan, and two, as an alumni, you like those kind of bragging rights. You like to pound your chest. You know, you like to be able to, you know, have a conversation among people, both fans and not fans, and say, "Did you see that? Did you see that? That is play of the day material." The problem yeah. is, is that it starts to diminish. It takes away the fun of being an everyday fan when everything is on the precipice of history. Oh, I'm with... I completely understand. Trust me, like, uh, you know, um, everybody's putting superlatives on everything that happens now, like as if nothing has happened before the last five years. Right, exactly. So Trust me... With being a Saints fan, I, I've been a Saints fan my whole life. You, people like, it's like there's all these people now who are like, I guess they're new to being Saints fans or something. They don't even acknowledge like the, the, the late 80s teams actually went to playoffs or even the team in 2000 that won the first playoff game in Saints history. It's like, no, everything that happened, as far as they're concerned, Saints history began on September 26, 2006, when we reopened the Superdome against the Falcons. And that's what I know you're thinking about these people, especially the D.O. It's written by people who were contemporaries at the school. Exactly. You know how old they were in 1996? You know, that was 18 years ago. Those kids, like, you know, freshmen were just being born. All right. So this brings up a perfect point. The chatter around campus and around the fan base on whether or not this is the greatest team in Syracuse history. Yeah. Couple, a couple things bothers me about a couple, a couple things bother me uh, with that statement. One, the season's not over. Yes. Let them continue to play. We got a lot more basketball and a lot more fun basketball to play. Yes. Too much I, to put on right now. I want to enjoy it regardless of what happens. Last year was no less enjoyable because we lost in the final four. Last year, going to Final Four, last year, the regular season was miserable. Right. Like, we were terrible. We, we put up less than 40 points against Georgetown. It, it, had, it had very little impact on my enjoyment of the season as a whole or my frustration with the season as a whole. No, when we went to the Final Four, it was like, it was, 
it was that much more pleasurable because it was the last thing I expected. Right, but it didn't erase all of those months of watching that team grind to a halt. It was oh, it erased it for me. It it made me it made me glad I stuck with it. It made me glad that you know there's an entire season, but it wasn't like, see, I told you guys, I told you guys these, this was the team. You know, it was just like, wow, we're pretty lucky to be here, and I think that that's you know no, that's I, my total view cool. On that was I take back every bad thing I said about Michael Carter Williams. <laughs> Um, okay, so let, you know we don't go to too many Final Fours, right? Well, I like I said, I enjoyed that that run, and it 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 was a great, uh, you know, it was it was a great march. Yeah, um, but it doesn't. Either way, if we had didn't make it to the Final Four, and I loved the season, it wouldn't make me hate the season. If I yeah. hated the season and we made it to the Final Four, it doesn't make. It doesn't. It's not revisionist history. It is what it is. A frustrating team had an awesome run. The and seasons that hurt the most were the year friggin' Fab Mello uh, got ruled out for the tournament, which was a team that definitely had a really good chance to make the Final Four. Yep. And in fact, we went to the Elite Eight and, and lost because we didn't have the inside presence. In the year Onawaku got hurt. Those two teams, I think, were both better than this year's team, top to bottom. It's just that at the end of the day, we had a an idiot get suspended, and we had a guy suffer a terrible injury. Okay, so let's go back uh, a little bit. I did a little research here, and, and I'm going to guide this conversation, and, and I'll let you make the final determinations. In terms of what makes up... A great team. What makes up, uh, you know, a a um, an all time historic team? I'm gonna I'm going to hypothesize that there's four elements that need to be present, and and hopefully we can agree because that'll drive the conversation. Okay. Uh, I think a great team, especially a great collegiate team, needs the following. It needs a star. It needs somebody who is the face of the team. It needs to be clutch. <clears throat> Excuse me. It needs to be clutch. It needs to win big games. You need to, you know, be able to count on them. Um, you know, whether you're blowing teams out or whether games are going down to the wire, they need to be multifaceted. They need to do more than one thing well, yeah. and they need to be elite in something. They yeah. need they need to separate themselves from um, from the other um, from the competition. So I went through the the history of of Syracuse basketball, modern day basketball from, from the Dave Bing era on and came up with the following teams. The 1965 uh, Dave Bing senior year. When they uh, lost to Duke in the uh, tournament? Um, let's that- see. 65. What did they do? Uh, yes. Uh, yeah. they, they lost to Duke in the Sweet 16. Correct. Yep. Um, that team scored 100 points a game. That's it yeah, in, that's in the sixties. That's unfathomable. Yeah, when they didn't have shot clocks or anything. Dave Bing was a star. They did multiple things well, and they led the nation in in scoring. That's that is is a is a top team. That's in the yeah. in the pantheon of of Syracuse athletics. Um, the eighty three through eighty nine teams or eighty three through ninety have some pretty yeah. clutch kids. Well, I think there was a guy on Grantland that. 
submitted his list of the best Syracuse teams of all time uh, a couple weeks ago. You should you should go look that up uh, after this. You know, I'm just saying for future reference, and I'm sure people have been fighting with him that about that. And he had a few of those teams from the '80s. And one thing I have to think that has to be a great team is that '87 team that came that close to okay. win the championship. Okay. Like, just think about the number of pros on that team: Ronnie Cycli, Derek Coleman, Sherman Douglas. So I've got those teams. I've got the '85, which yeah. is '83, uh, which is Pearl's freshman year. Um, we've got the '85, '86 team, then the '86, '87 team. Yep, that's the. That's if the, Pearl would have come back for a senior year, could you imagine how crazy that would have been? That would have been that would have been a phenomenal team. That eighty six eighty seven team had um, had Sherman Douglas as a sophomore, had Derek yep. Coleman as a freshman, Ronnie Cycli, Stephen Thompson. Um, that was Howard a Trish was that team I think too. That's when uh, you Howard think, Trish was a senior. That was a great. Think about that. Three of those guys had significant NBA careers. Yeah. Um the eighty six, eighty seven, they were the biggest champs. Okay, so that's that's up there. And they um, came within a bucket of winning the national championship. So I put them on the list. So I yeah. I, I put the sixty five team on the list, I put the eighty six, eighty seven team on the list. Depends on whether or not you want to split hairs and say that the eighty eight, eighty nine team and the eighty nine ninety team are close. Um, the 88-89 team had 30 wins. They made it to the Elite Eight, and Sherm was uh, was a monster. But they, the Owens on that team too, right? That was 88-89. Um, Billy Owens was his freshman year. Yep. The problem was they weren't a particularly clutch team. They lost to Georgetown two times in, in that year. They didn't yeah. win the Big East. They did win 30 games, but they lost six games in the Big East. But the 89-90 team went to the Sweet 16. They only went to the Sweet 16, but they beat um, – they had road wins at a number three Georgetown – and a number 15 St. John's. They were the Big East champs. They were the number one seed in the tourney. So that team gets the nod over the 88-89 team. Yeah. And from star power alone, listen to this roster. You got Stevie Thompson as a senior, Billy Owens, Derek Coleman as a senior. Um, you had LaRon Ellis and, and Dave Johnson, uh, as well as a freshman Michael Hopkins, uh, Mike Hopkins yeah, and Conrad yeah. McRae on this team. Yeah, Conrad McRae. They were a biggie. They were Big East champs, and they made the Sweet Sixteen. So, if you want to say the '86 '87 team and the '89 '90 team can't both be considered because, generally speaking, they're the same class. No, I think you can. Consider if you put them, I would put them both in there, and they were yeah. both outstanding. Um, the '95 '96 team. You know, obviously gets nod because it made the tournament run. But in all honesty, it matters, man. What's that? It, it wasn't the greatest team, but I mean, they did accomplish something. They, they certainly stand in in Syracuse lore. But in terms of where do they match up, they yeah. they're they're certainly not as good as the um, as the o two o three team. Obviously, uh, the and national the- championship team, who not only went on an incredible run. They had 15 come-from-behind victories. 
They had outstanding defense, and they had 30 wins in the Big East. I mean, they had 30 wins, only three losses in the Big East. And the Big 12 was considered the best conference of that year. They swept the Big 12. Yeah, yeah we beat yeah, – then we we beat four Big Twelve teams in the tournament alone, didn't we? We beat Oklahoma State, we beat Oklahoma, we beat Texas, and we beat Kansas. Yep. Yeah. Um, a funny thing is the that guy and he had his top teams. One thing he said they discounted the two thousand two two thousand three team for, and oh, I can't even remember this now because you forget about that. They lost to Rutgers. <laughs> they lost five games, and one of them was to Rutgers. Yeah, I mean, where'd they go? Thirty-five and five, right? Well, they were thirty and five. Thirty and five, yeah. Right. And um, but they were thirteen. Excuse me, thirteen and three. Yeah, I mean, they lost the, the first East. game of the season. I remember they lost to Memphis, John Calipari's Memphis team, and the yeah. Dark. And, and Carmelo's first game. So, and then you mentioned the 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 Fab Mello team that if he stays. Um, eligible. They were the Big East champs. They had 34 wins. They set Jared, the record. That team would have been one. Well, that team may have been our best ever had he just not been a screw. Look at the games when he wasn't playing. You know, I think we might have lost one game uh, where he played or something like that. You know, like like he goes out, he gets suspended, and we lose to Notre Dame the first game. You know, he doesn't play in a tournament. We make it to the Elite Eight. Like, if he would have been on that team, dude, I mean, it's hard to say what would have happened, but there was a pretty damn good chance we would have won the title. Yeah, that was a, that was an unbelievable team. Yep. The Renziano Waku team was, too. I mean, his senior year, like, we were, like, with him and Rick Jackson playing together, we were tough. Yeah. You know, and then when he went down, I felt bad for Jackson because in that Butler game, you know, he was kind of left the flail by himself. You know, he took a lot of the blame for that loss. But it was, you know, I think it was kind of unjust. Because all season, the the whole thing was the the two-headed monster, you know? And it kind of all got put on him. And I don't know. I, I, I kind of felt bad for the way it went down for that dude that year. That but that 2011 team had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine players that played over forty uh, that, that played over four hundred minutes, right? So you're talking about eight to ten minutes a game. Yeah, they had Scoop Jardine, Brandon Trish, Joseph. Christmas was a freshman. Fab Mello, uh, CJ was a sophomore. Waiters was a sophomore. Yeah. Sutherland was a junior, and then uh, in Kata was a sophomore. That doesn't even include Michael Carter-Williams as a freshman who hardly played yeah, at all. Yeah, the whole time. That team is unbelievable. Yep. Scoop, man. Oh, Scoop can make you so happy one minute and so angry the next. So if, if you want to use our criteria as having, you know, a star player, a clutch uh, performances, you know, multifaceted team, an elite um, performances... Uh, you know, there's four or five teams that are up there that you – those are some pretty solid teams. you got to do some serious work yeah. to climb above them. I would take one of those teams from the late 80s, though, over any of our teams now because now the teams are dominated by underclassmen, you know? I, I like that 89-90 team. Yeah. Um, you know, they underachieved a little bit, um, but, I mean, they still went to the Sweet 16. 
But like that's what Beheim even acknowledges that I saw him, I've seen him on two mul- two interviews recently, and he said the same thing on both of them. You know, on PTI, and he was on the new Jim Rome on Showtime last night about he thinks the college game is better than it's ever been because there's so much parity. Like sixteen teams can go to the Final Four possibly, but his idea is that like the quality of play is definitely not as good as it was twenty years ago because. You know, 20 years ago, like, look at the 86, 87 team. You know, uh, every team, like, in really high level, you'd have multiple pros on the court playing against each other. You know, now you have kids with any sense, any bit of talent, they, they're gone after one year, whether they make it or not in the, in the NBA. You know, you had more refined, like, high-quality talent. So you're getting these, look at those, like, look at the 1990, you know, Look at your UNLV teams or those UNLV Duke games from the early 90s. You know, could you imagine having teams with guys of that age with that skill playing now? It was ridiculous. They would they would routinely talk about those UNLV teams and whether, whether the Clippers whether or not they could beat the Clippers. Yes, a serious yes. conversation. Yes, I remember that was a common conversation in uh in 1990, 91, you know? I mean, think about team. Could you imagine if if a team was? That's why Florida won those two titles in a row because they had guys who were really good that happened to be the sons of really successful athletes who who didn't have to go to the pros for the money, right? You know, like Joe Kim Noah and Al Horford and those guys. Like normally they would have stuck around one year and left, but they had no reason to rush. You know, it was like when Peyton Manning stayed the whole time at Tennessee because. He didn't have to go make money for his family. Yeah, you're absolutely right. But like, if you could get mature guys with that type of talent, you'll run over people now. I mean, that's one thing I do like about our team is that we got CJ Fair on the court. Yeah, you know, there's not too many teams, not too many teams at the highest level that have a senior that means that much to their team. Yeah, I agree, hundred percent. Yeah. Um. Well. Uh, Anything else you want to touch on? Uh, no, I'm man. At where I, we're running right now. Yeah, I think we got after it pretty good. I got, um, yeah. I got nothing <laughs> left in the tank. I think this was a good show to come back from the hiatus. Uh, I feel good. We're off. Uh, we're off on uh, on the right foot. We're starting our um, our our fourth month in production on the right foot. Yep. And we got NC State this weekend, so Scott Pentney can go to hell. <laughs> 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 All right, man. Hey, listen. Before we go, though, I was um, I met uh, speaking of Scott Penton. I got an email from him today, basically telling me um, what a horrible friend I am. Although he was not going to let that discourage him from donating to my polar bear plunge, which nice. I've locked myself in to one thousand dollars raised. I will be plunging in a speedo next Saturday. Yeah. Oh, that's why. Um, yeah, I saw your Facebook post asking for more, more money, and I commented on it. I don't know if you've seen that. Uh, no, I haven't seen it. I'll check that out. But I have up the stakes. Yes. And um, although I did get um, the requisite um, goal met, I have decided that if I can raise another 500 I will not only plunge in a Speedo, I will be, don, um, I'll be donning orange body paint. Yes, I need to see that, and uh, Ange needs to take pictures 
Listen, if I get, well, there's going to be pictures of the Speedo. I'm not going to post them. I'm going to send them to the I people. I understand. I'm going to send them to I'll the people. I'll post who- them for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, on that note, with apologies to Girk's brother, we'll see you next week. <laughs> Take care, man. Peace. <laughs>